Welcome to Systemize Your Success. I'm Dr. Steve Day. Today, I want to walk you through one of the most powerful things that we use in our business, and that is how we turn process maps into delegatable, manageable projects that mean that anybody or any team of people can do work consistently without your involvement. This is something that, as a small business owner, you can use to get stuff out of your head in a super reliable and consistent way that means that when you hand over tasks, you don't have to micromanage. You can literally hand over the entire end-to-end -end process and have somebody do it exactly the way you would do it without your involvement. When you have a bigger team, it allows you to coordinate those people working together on a project and make sure that work happens seamlessly. And again, without you getting dragged in and having to fill in the gaps and join up the dots, it allows you to get things that are currently in your head, the decisions, the timings, everything about the way your business works and get it down a way that other people can use. However, most people use process mapping simply to brainstorm, to show the world what you're doing, whereas we use it to actually delegate work. And that is why Perfect Process Pipelines Technique, which is what I'm about to describe, is one of the most powerful things we've ever created in our business. And I want to share it with you today. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Okay, so I started learning about process mapping and flowcharts and systems analysis and design, as it's called, back in the late 2000s when I was studying computing at university. And it's one of the areas I really enjoyed. The fact that I could literally turn an entire business into a map that anybody could read, who obviously had some basic understanding of, of flowcharts and process mapping, was just remarkable to me. And it allows you, when you've got this mindset or this, this, this logical brain that I have when it comes to this sort of things, it allows you to actually then see where the bottlenecks are, identify where improvements could be made. And so if that's not you, if you don't have those skill sets, then don't stop listening because it doesn't need to be you and your business that, that implements this, that actually uses this as a powerful tool. You just need to be aware that you need it. And then you can either find somebody who already knows how to do this stuff or train somebody within your business or hire somebody new and train them up in order to do this for you. But ignoring this and trying to just wing it and not have a structured way of mapping out the more complex parts of your business leaves there's too much to interpretation, at least too much for people to do it their way rather than doing it the right way or the best way that you know right now. And the other thing is, once you've documented the way you currently do stuff, and I don't just mean like individual tasks here, I mean how you link everything together in your business. Once you've documented that, you're then in a position to start improving it. Without that, you're just trying out different ideas and you're not able to actually see consistently what's working or not, because if things aren't done consistently, you'll never know which things are working or not. So we've got to get down there here and now first before we can really start doing process improvement. And this all comes down to creating process maps for your business. Now, if you're new to process mapping entirely, process maps are a way of mapping out all the different tasks in your business, how they link together, when they should be done, 
who should be doing them, how they should be done, and to put that in an ordered and standardized way in order for anybody in your business to actually be able to understand what's happening, why it's happening, how it connects with other parts of your business, automations, other people, other teams, other processes, other process maps, you know, how they're all linked together. And it allows you to then get that sort of 10,000 foot view on the whole business, but then going down into the systems within your business. And this may be a system for onboarding new clients. It could be your marketing system. It could be your uh, your system for delivering your services, a system for creating new leads, whatever it is in your business, a system for paying your bills, for doing reconciliation in your accounts, whatever processes, whatever systems in your business, they are often not just single tasks. They're often multiple tasks linked together and may involve multiple people. And process maps is how we capture that and put that down in a way that everybody can understand. So if, as I say, you're totally new to process mapping, process mapping is a technique which I learned in university. It starts with putting down the tasks that are going to happen. We use square boxes or rectangles, in fact, to show what a task is on the process map. And we link those together with arrows to say, this happens first, then this happens, then this happens. We can then add more detail to that. For example, we can add timings in that to show when this happens. So we wait one day after doing task A before we do task B. We can also put on third parties. So if you're sending information to somebody, we can indicate, well, who does it, is that sent to? And if, for example, you need a, a template or a script for a call or a message that's being sent, we add that on there too. We also add handovers between different people. So if one person's finished their task, they need to hand over to somebody else, we need a process for that. Like, how does that handover actually work? And also, are there any other people involved in the process in the outside that we need to bring in? How are they going to get alerted to it? And as I mentioned before, are there any automations that are kicked off as part of a process? We can map those in as well. So we can actually be confident knowing like, oh, this automation is triggering off X, Y, Z, and those are going to affect a different part of the business. By putting it all down, it gives you that ability to see what's happening, why it's happening, who's doing it, or if it's even an app doing it for you, and what are the outcomes or the, the results of that work being done, and how does that affect other parts of your business. We can also use things like decision trees. So we can actually map out quite complex decision processes that you're going through in your business. We can, for example, say, look, if this happens, then do this. If this other thing happens, do that. We can also have something called um, event-based gateways, which mean that you can actually have on your process map that you're waiting for something to happen. If, for example, someone replies to your email within a certain time period, we can action that path. But if we get to, you know, seven days after whatever the, the previous task was and no one's actually responded or done anything, we then go down a different path. And those, those types of gateways can be quite powerful because it allows you to put in the different possible events that happen and actually show what do we do in light of whatever it is the next step is. We don't always know what that's going to be. Things don't often in business or don't always in business run in a nice linear fashion. I mean, creating systems would be incredibly more simple if everything just happened A, then B, then C, then D, then E, and there was no uh, variation to that. But we all know as business owners, that's not how reality looks looks like or what, what reality actually looks like because often you'll be thrown a skewball or somebody won't do what they're meant to be doing and they'll need to be chased up or you'll get, or, or they just won't do anything, for example, or you won't get a response for something. And we need to be able to capture and to 
to map out what we do in all of, the, all of those scenarios. You may also have situations where, for example, if you're looking to uh, going forward with a deal, there'll be some analysis going on. And, you know, what happens if it's a, you know, a perfect analysis? I mean, yes, we're going to go ahead. That's pretty easy. But what happens if it's somewhere in the middle? We need to go back and get some more information or do a bit more research or digging to find out if it's going to work out. Or maybe it's just an absolute no go and we can send that, have a path for that as well. Process maps allow you to map all of this type of stuff out to be able to get all of these decisions that you're currently having in your head down in a way that other people can do them for you. And this enables you to remove yourself from the day-to-day -day manage management of even the most complex business processes. This is how you know, bigger businesses do it. And a lot of small business owners think they don't need it. They're not at a stage where it's something that's going to be valuable to them. But conversely, the earlier you do this, the quicker, A, you get the hang of this. So when you are growing, then you are growing with systems, with processes that are mapped out. So it's much easier for you to scale. But B, it also allows you much, much earlier to remove yourself from so much of that micromanagement that a lot of business owners end up having to do, pushing people forward, chasing people up, you know, assigning the next task, passing it from one team to the other, all these annoying things which really are not, your highest value work as a business owner, but you're forced to do it or compelled to do it because there isn't a better way of doing it. Processes are that better way. They are a way that allow you to, to do all of those things without you having to be there to do it because you've already made those decisions. And, you know, business changes. So the great thing about having things mapped out is not that it fixes things in stone and that's the way it's always got to be forever. Quite conversely, yes, it gives you the, that, consistency now this is the way we're doing it now but because it's mapped out when you do want to make a change there's somewhere to actually document that really quickly and easily to make sure that now going forward that is the new the you've figured out for whatever reason you want to make that change and now because it's documented it's really easy to roll that out over everybody in your team or your organization that are doing it process maps give you that flexibility but also that consistency as well so we have developed or I have developed over the past few years a technique called the Perfect Process Pipelines methodology. And it's about turning process maps, which are all the things I've just described, which are incredibly powerful in their own right, but often end up being mapped out, you know, spending days or weeks even mapping out your business, sticking on either a, you know, a whiteboard in your office or people often do it with post-it notes and with arrows between on a whiteboard, or you might use a process mapping software like we do called, called Lucidchart or, or Draw.io for a free version from Google. Now, these are all, these are all uh, great ways of actually getting stuff out of your head and, and showing everybody you know, what's happening right now. But the real challenge that most businesses face is that that's all they are. They're a great way of showing the state, showing the here and now, this is what's happening now, but they don't become part of everyday work. They don't they're not the, the, the way in which you delegate work and they're not brought into your task management and delegation so that, yes, they're there if people go and look for them. But like with many operation manuals that are badly written using outdated techniques, the same thing happens for process maps. Just creating the process map in itself isn't going to supercharge your business. It might give you some clarity. It might bring the team together, but it doesn't actually help really organize things on a day-to-day -day basis because 
people will only refer to things when they feel like like process maps or operation manuals when they feel they don't remember what it is they're meant to be doing next and what we need to try to do is to break that habit so that people use operation manuals and process maps as part of their daily work so it actually dictates how they work every single day therefore meaning people aren't relying on memory and often obviously making mistakes or missing stuff out because they you know don't remember every single detail if we can turn that process map into something that allows the management of your work on a daily basis it's something quite remarkable and that's what perf perfect process pipeline is all about so first off just to walk you through the process quite quickly we map out using in our business bpmn a business processing mapping notation and there's version 2.0 if you're interested this is an industry standard way of mapping stuff out and the great thing about using an industry standard method over my original or first attempts at doing process mapping is that if you use something that's standardized it means that you're not having to reinvent the wheel you're not having to think up you know color codes or keys or you know oh i'm going to use this symbol for this or this color for this there's a set way of doing something like process mapping that has been thought about by very clever people for a very long time so we can jump on the back of all that hard work because it's totally public there are masses amounts of free training available for you to learn how to do process mapping using a standardized technique like bpmn 2.0 and what that allows you to do is to make sure that you're future proofing your business as well because if you start by creating and this is what we did in the other day so i learned this the hard way i started by creating process maps sort of relying on my memory from my computing degree 20 odd years ago and i knew the basics of it like with the symbols that i've just described but the nuances and you know the the actual precise things of how you document stuff i, I just i didn't have front of mind and actually things have progressed a lot in the 20 years or so since i first did my degree in whatever it was 2000 no 1998 i started my degree and and so i started out creating these maps using a very clunky piece of software i ended up having you know making up almost my own symbols to, to show different things i color coded to show who was doing stuff i didn't know what i didn't know and so what i ended up was creating my own sort of method of, of mapping stuff out and then i got a business partner and he was also fairly good at process mapping and, and 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 he sort of started mapping stuff out in his own way as well and creating his own keys to explain the different things and the different colors etc and then we got a third business partner who actually did know about bpmn about the standardized way and, and he started doing them in a standardized way so we ended up having three different ways that we were mapping stuff out in our one business which led to a lot of confusion and misunderstanding and wasted time and so we decided one sunny day in in oh five years ago now or something like that to actually scrap everything that wasn't standardized and to actually go really deep and actually like making sure that everything we did going forward was done in a standardized way since then it's made it so much easier because everybody in the team can understand the process maps and when we bring somebody in as long as they've got an understanding of process maps because it's all standardized they just get it and so when you're thinking about the future of scaling your business then you just need to hire somebody with this skill set of creating process maps and they can just jump in and pick up and you know carry on the work that's been done already without you having to spend hours and hours training them or you can train up existing staff using a lot of the free stuff that's available on things like youtube which teaches people all about process mapping so there's huge benefits of using a standardized way to process map and and argue arguably there's huge benefits on, on if you've not already done that and you're using your own 
fancy way of doing it that you that thinks great i would just take a stop now before you continue down this path forever because the longer you go down this path the bigger the job is to undo it and our job of undoing it was quite major because we had so many process maps done but it was worth it in the long run and we now have everything standardized now Going back to my point before is that's great. So we now talked about yeah we need a standardized way of mapping things out rather than just using a, a you know make it make up your own way. We need it to map out all those decisions and everything. And that's what BPMN allows you to do. It allows you to add lots of layers of sophistication depending on how complex you want to get, or you can just keep it pretty simple. But then, as I mentioned before, the the real power of this is how do we turn this into something that is truly delegatable? Now. The way that we've done this, and this is the perfect process, process partners technique, is to standardize the way in which we use process mapping in order to make it easy for us to then translate that into our task management app without having people to refer back to the process map on a day-to-day -day basis because people don't refer to stuff they think they know how to do it. So what we've tried to do, what we have done, is to create a method for creating the process maps and then mapping that into the task management app. We do that by breaking up the process and we break it up into different stages. We do it from the simplest thing like what's happening now, then or what's happening in what order do things happen. We then talk about who is doing it. We talk about handovers between people. That's a crucial point that many uh, mistakes happen or things get dropped. We break this, oh, let me talk about when is it happening? So at what timings does it happen? Is it after a certain time from the previous task? Is it is it relative to a fixed date in that process? We call this the T, so T for time. And so for example, it could be if you have a property business and you're doing a tenant move-in pipeline, then your T, your time, could be the date of the move-in. And then everything else can be related to that. Three days before the move-in, three days after the move-in. It can be, mean that you have a fixed time in space that is relative to the, the actual activity that's happening. So for recurring tasks that happen multiple times in the business, obviously for each time that happens, the actual dates will change, but they're all gonna be relative to the same point. Like I said, tenant move in, or for us like podcast production uh, pipeline or post, pod, and, and the podcast promotion pipeline are all linked to the podcast uh, publishing date and so therefore we can go forward and back from that and then time everything accordingly every time it's done so we have to make this up each time it's always set based on that time we then have something we call stages and stages are really how we map this into your task management app and we use asana we use kanban boards for this type of thing and each column on that board becomes a stage and a stage for us is a collection of tasks that are done typically by one person, but there are occasions when we do have a single stage with, with multiple people in, but they're owned by one person. This is a key point. Somebody is responsible for getting all the stuff in a stage done before it's moved on. And if so even if there are multiple people involved in doing the work, one person is ultimately responsible, has the responsibility for making sure that all that work is done. And therefore, it's we have accountability, and then obviously we can then keep on to that person to make sure it is done. Each stage, as I said, is broken up into the typical work done by one person or the logical steps in a process. And typically, if we if we finish a few tasks and then we hand over to someone else and we we're waiting for them to give us something back, so they you know we say oh 
we go through a process and we send an application form to a tenant or a client and now we're waiting for them to come back and we can't do anything else until we get that information back that would be a great place to sort of end that stage and the next stage would be then chasing up that person and doing whatever comes after once they've actually given us that back so that allows us to break up quite complex processes into logical steps along the way doing that means that we can see where each of our tasks going through this pipeline is so whether it's tenants or clients or bills or whatever it is projects whatever you're pushing through this pipeline we've got hiring we've got a hiring pipeline for example so when candidates are coming through it's candidates or job postings whatever it is you're pushing through this on a multiple uh, occasion actually, actually the first thing we ever created using this technique was our uh, the perfect uh, the, the podcast promotion pipeline so every podcast we do for this systemized success podcast goes through a pipeline and i can see at a glance looking at my project in, in my task management app in asana exactly where every single one of my podcasts is up to in regards to production and promotion as well and that means i can see if there's a, if there's a bottleneck so if we have a bottleneck with our copywriting for example i can see it at a glance got five or six episodes waiting for some copy i know we need to put some more resource there or if you know there's a, an issue with the graphic designer i can see it because i can see there's a backlog in the graphic designer section of the pipeline so or stage sorry and so breaking the pipeline up breaking the process map up sorry into these pipeline stages as we call them allows us to have a very easy visual way of seeing where everything's up to gives you that ability to see where bottlenecks are where you need to put some more, more research source and just allows you to see you know exactly yeah i'm going to repeat myself here but where things are up to in the process the after each stage we're then going to have a handover so we call this progressing the pipeline moving it from one stage to the next stage and depending on the nature of that stage there may actually be, be more than one destination it could go to so by destination i mean future stage so it could just be a really simple pipeline where you're going it goes stage one then stage two then stage three then stage four and then finish and that's you know for quite actually a lot of simple products like paying a paying a bill or something it would be pretty straightforward however if you got more complex and we work with a, a structural engineer client for example who had these multiple loops and basically go his design process would go through certain stages based on that is it being signed off does it require further input it would actually flip back and come back to an earlier stage and then sometimes it would go off to a separate a separate stage to go through stages, then flip all the way back again and go back through the process. So it was quite a complex process that had the, the even though the, the same sort of things happened in the same sort of order, there was lots of possible branches and there was also looping back. So actually repeating parts of the process. So we design it once, we get approval, we move on, we make realize there's an error, we come back, we do a bit more design, we go forward, et cetera, et cetera. And so by having this ability to, when we hand over, to actually have conditions. So we're saying, you know, if a situation A is is happening, then great, we can go to the next stage and we just continue down the pipeline. But if situation B is happening, then actually we need to go to a different place, so a different stage in the pipeline and sort of hop over. It's a bit like one of those um, choose your own adventure books that I used to read as a kid. I'm sure my mum used to hate me reading, um, but I wasn't the best reader when I was a kid and I enjoyed those. So she gave me them to actually just entice me to actually do some kind of reading. But she, um, those books, uh, basically you get to the end of a page and then you go, look, if you want to go left down the dungeon, go turn to page 74. If you want to go up the stairs into the forest, go to page 70, uh, 102 or whatever. 
And so that's exactly what the, the idea for this was. How can we give people that choose your own adventure depending on where or what the situation is when you have to make the decision about who I'm going to hand this over to? So documenting that allows us to be really flexible with these pipelines. So yes, it's a fixed linear thing. And in the early days before I figured this part of the puzzle out, I, I could only really apply them to things that happen in a very linear, straightforward fashion. But I've worked with dozens and dozens, probably over 50 clients now working on pipelines. So I've seen lots of different scenarios and I've worked through the challenges of applying pipeline methodology to all these scenarios. And that's where these sorts of ideas came from. So we've got our stages. At the end of each stage, we're going to hand over, we call it progressing the pipeline, onto either the next stage or a different stage based on our criteria that we can set up and, and decide on. And so then now we've now got, just to sort of summarize where we're up to, we've got a mapped out process, which has been mapped out in a standardized way so anybody can understand it. We've just applied this principle of breaking this up into stages. And for this, if you're into process mapping, we use pools to do this, to break it up and swim lanes within those pools. If you're not familiar with those words, don't worry. There's basically, this is how we group the tasks together. And each of those stages will be owned by somebody. They will be responsible for getting it done and making sure that anyone else doing certain tasks in that stage, that they are actually gonna finish the work as well. And, and they are the person that is accountable for doing it. And then at the end of each stage, we then hand it over to the, whichever the next stage is. And within those stages, we've dictated what tasks are gonna be done, so the what, who is gonna do each one, when is it gonna be done? And, uh, and so we actually have a really clear picture within each stage of exactly what is happening. And just to be clear, on each of these what tasks, the tasks happening, we actually create an operations manual with a video guide and our didact method, which I've discussed at length in previous episodes. And so we can get more and more granular as we go down. So we start off with this high level process map, we then create stages, map it into our task management map and then create operation manuals and then link it all together with something called we call the, the pipeline operation manual, which, which gives the overview of the whole pipeline and all the information needed to do that. So now we've basically mapped out our main process. The next challenge that we faced was these complex chasing up scenarios, which you, you will have in your business, even if you're not aware of them. And this is the kind of thing which is typically just done badly, it's difficult to document using traditional techniques because it can be something like this. Okay, we're gonna send over this request for information from our client, uh, let's call it Acme Company. And then we say, okay, if Acme Company doesn't get back to us within two days, we're gonna send them another message. Then we're gonna wait three days and send them another message. If they come back to us and they haven't provided all the information that we've got, we're gonna send them another message and then we're gonna sort of restart the process of chasing them up again. When you try and map out that kind of chasing up process with all of these wait three days, send this message, wait another two days, if they reply, it gets really messy. And what I ended up having was quite big process maps with these, with these horrible sort of looping chasing up scenarios. And I just thought there must be a better way to do this. And so I spent quite a long time, like literally quite a long time, I mean like days and days, figuring out how to create a single process that would cover any type of scenario for chasing up. So it doesn't matter how many times or how many messages you wanna send out, how long you're gonna wait in between each one. We use what's called the, the chase up loop actions in order to, to manage that. So on our process map, 
We just have a single box that just says chase up whatever the work is, chase up the application form. It's got a chase up loop. And that chase up loop is then has an associated document which maps out all of the different stages. So the first time we send a message, we use this template. Then we wait X number of days. Then we send this template. Then we wait X number of days in this template. And what that allows us to do is to get all that complexity, put it in a really simple document that anybody can read and understand. It's just an operation. It's an operations manual for the chase up loop process. So if you're familiar with our operation manual technique, it's just a, a sophisticated operation manual that applies to this chasing up process. And then for the process map point of view, it just simplifies the whole thing. It means that like we just can do these chasing up tasks really complicated without it messing up the whole flowchart, stop people getting confused. And then really importantly, we can then have a what happens if scenario. So if, if a person gets to the end of the chasing up process and we predefine like how many messages they're gonna get sent out and et cetera, et cetera. If they get to the end of that and they've still not got the information from the person they're trying to get it from or could be from one another member of staff that's gonna be doing some work and they haven't done it yet. So you can chase up members of staff using these. But at the end of all that, you still haven't got anywhere. We want a catch all. And so that's often escalates a manager or it could be, you know, for example, I've got a client that uses this for when they have a tenant that applies for a property or multiple clients that use this, in fact, when they've got a tenant that applies for a property and they try to get them to get the deposit and to sign the forms. Well, they're only going to wait so long until they offer that room to somebody else. So in their process for that particular onboarding new tenant, they would send out the request for the deposit. They would then remind them on a regular basis, you know, every uh, six hours or every couple of days, whatever it is. And then at the end of, say, three, four, five days, whatever they've decided, a predetermined time, they go, we'll just get rid of them. So they just send them a message saying, sorry, you didn't get back to us in time. We've offered this room to somebody else. And it closes the loop. They get that, that tenant is now removed from the pipeline. And then whoever is next in the pipeline comes through. So again, it allows us to create all of the complexity in a simple way so that you as the business owner don't have to go back and say, you know, when your staff member comes, you say, oh, I've tried to contact this person you know, three times, what should I do now? If you do that once and you document it in a chase up loop um, process map or chase up loop uh, actions document, sorry, it means that going forward, the same thing can happen time and time again, and you can really easily update it without having to dig around where it is. It's all in one place. It makes it really, really simple. Chase up loops, are one of those things that I'm probably most proud of. That and the whole pipeline methodology. It's the, just the, the, it just makes things work where previously it was just super clunky and messy and got confusing. So that's how we use chase up loops. And yeah, as I said, chase up loops can be for external parties, third parties, it can be for, and it can be for internal people as well. So really uh, useful, useful technique. Um, and then finally, we have endpoints on our process map. So when people get to the end of a process, we might want to actually record like how many people got to the endpoint A, the endpoint B. And again, going back to my choose your own adventure book scenario, they might have different ends in the book, depending on which path and the decisions you make along the way. And you might want to actually record how many people get to goal A, how many people get to goal B. And if we do it like this, it's super easy because in our process, in our pipeline set up in our task management app, we can just have different columns for different endpoints. An example of that in our business, when our uh, podcast is produced, we have some podcasts that 
go to YouTube, which is the majority, but some pass, some podcasts that don't for whatever reason. And so therefore we can actually put those into two different places. That means that in the future, we might want to pick up the ones that are not in YouTube for whatever reason at the time we decided not to put them in there and actually publish them into YouTube and create videos, et cetera, and promote them as a separate event. So it allows us to then see where things are up to. So that's it. That is the perfect process of pipelines technique. And it's one of those things that if you can just put your mind into it, either yourself or someone else in your team, learn how to do a simple process like this of using uh, standardized process mapping, but then really importantly, have a method to convert that into something actionable that manages work within your task manager app, you create something truly remarkable. When then, just to finish this whole scenario, this whole uh, episode off and to, to pull it into the practicalities of using this. So once you've got this mapped out, in your stages and you've got all your tasks set up on your task board so each stage has all the subtasks each subtask has an operation manual so everything's all nice and mapped out it means that when you delegate work now you're delegating it in a project in your task management app which shows each person exactly what they need to do next gives them the guidance on how to do each step and shows them what they need to do with regards to handing things over to chasing people up to uh, just basically when and when and how they need to do every single step in a super visible way. So from a management perspective, it becomes much, much easier to see where your, your multiple iterative tasks are, are up to. So for example, us, you know, could, for us, it's podcast is a great example, recruitment, another example, our operation manual pipeline. So all these pipelines, where we've got lots of things happening, similar things happening, um, but multiple instances of them, then we actually see exactly where they're all up to. And it's an incredibly powerful technique to master. If you're interested in learning more about this, please do check out our uh, the webpage for this particular podcast episode. Go to www.systemizeyoursuccess.com. On there, I'm going to put some resources specifically about learning how to use process pipelines and methodology in your business. And if you'd like to speak to us, of course, there'll be if you go onto that page, there'll be a button to actually at the bottom on our website to click and actually book a call to speak to us or just email us at help at systemsandoutsourcing.com. I'll be happy to arrange a call to discuss that with you. Great. I hope, this, I hope you found this helpful. Again, go and check out the podcast site page on www.systemizewithsuccess.com find the site page for this particular episode and on there there'll be some extra resources for you to download and some videos for you to watch to understand how to start using perfect prices part one in your business thanks very much Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success.